Welcome to In Check with Fintech. This week, we welcome Kevin Goshalk, founder and CEO of Arcos Labs, to discuss the explosive spike in online fraud and cyber attacks during COVID-19. Since launching Arcos Labs in 2016, Kevin has been instrumental in building a suite of fraud and abuse prevention solutions that deliver long-term remediation from attacks by breaking the underlying economics behind online fraud. So under Kevin's leadership, Arcos Labs has raised more than $114 million in venture funding and rapidly scaled its customer base and workforce, transforming the world of digital commerce by working with some of the world's leading businesses. Born and raised in Brisbane, Australia, Kevin graduated from the Queensland University of Technology with a degree in interactive entertainment. So prior to founding Arcos Labs, he worked in biomedical research where he used machine vision technology for early detection of diabetes. He later developed technology that assisted adults with intellectual differences in social settings. So his unique background has enabled him to take this disruptive approach that gamifies fraud prevention. Kevin was named CEO of the Year by Cyber Defense Magazine and is regarded as an expert in the fraud and risk management industry. We are super excited to discuss online fraud becoming the biggest concern for businesses in 2022, overtaking ransomware, especially as COVID-19 drives people to new careers in online fraud. Lovely. So Kevin, welcome to the podcast. So I'm correct in thinking you're you're coming to us from Las Vegas right now. How's Money 2020 been for you so far? It's been great. And thank you for uh, inviting us to join. It's been kind of crazy just to see everyone back in person. It's like just pre-COVID, all back to normal. It's just thousands of people in a conference hall in Vegas, spending your whole days and nights, unfortunately, in casinos, you know, typical Vegas stuff. Sounds amazing. Uh, I, I gathered you used the opportunity to announce some pretty exciting new features for your product. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about it towards the end of the show. Yeah, we, we've done all kinds of fun stuff on our product and, uh, you know, both technology-wise, contract-wise, business-wise, all kinds of fun things that we're uh, standing behind our customers, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, let's, let's chat about it a bit later. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, just to kick things off, uh, it'd be great to understand a bit more about how you got where you are. Um, obviously, you've got a background in uh, the biomedical field, I understand. Um, so how does someone go from there to creating a company like Arcos Labs? It's... Uh, no matter how many times I tell the story, people still struggle to make the connections. So um, the the underlying connections are technology-based. So my background is engineering. So a lot of the code of Arcos I wrote and um, prior to Arcos. So I actually started, like you say, the health and biomedical space. And what uh, the first thing I did in my career was um, uh, building technology to detect diabetes earlier in non-invasive ways. So the typical way you detect diabetes type two is you need to do blood pricks, those kind of things. And it's invasive, right? So the theory that the researchers had was uh, the nerves in the eye was a potential way of identifying and diagnosing diabetes. And I came up with this idea of literally a 500 times magnification on your eye. So you can see like the smallest details in the eye and there's nerves in your eye, of course. Okay. 
And if you're healthy and don't have diabetes, all the nerves converge in a whirl. It's very obvious. There's a central convergence point they all go into. But if you have diabetes, it actually breaks down. And it's very clear and very obvious uh, in the actual uh, eye that you look at. And I wrote software that let us kind of map and chart the, the eye out. Um, I did that for about two years. And then there was a seven-year clinical trial period, which I opted not to stick around for seven years whilst they proved out the theory, but they actually now use this technique in the UK to actually, uh, an optometrist, they actually uh, can now diagnose for diabetes doing an eye check, which is a new thing. They could never That's do that amazing. before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the next thing I did after that was building interactive software for people with intellectual disabilities. So I got a half a million dollar grant from the Australian government. That's where I was based at the time uh, to build this technology to get people with, um, just get them up and active and moving and be more social. That was very successful. And we licensed that to the largest provider of hardware in APAC. And then I started a fraud prevention company. And, uh, and here we are in, uh, in Vegas at Money 2020. So it's kind of been an interesting journey, I will say. But the underlying technology actually links those things quite closely. Yep. The verticals are completely different, of course. But uh, we only were able to come up with the idea for Arcos based on those prior things I'd done in my career. So... Uh, very much out of the box thinking, that's for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that that is very. Uh, it, it, it is quite a leap. Um, I, I would say it it makes some sense uh, in this uh, in the idea that you're identifying fraudulent patterns uh, of behaviour when these originate from humans, which are obviously inherently unreliable and unpredictable, uh, and therefore taking it from a, a biomedical uh, or sort of yeah, from that side of things might be more adapted in, in, in a way. Um, I don't know if, if that's something, you know, that, that you've thought about or something that you uh, have used in the product that you, you've then created with Arcos. Yeah, there's a lot of pad matching, a lot of computer vision, a lot of machine learning kind of style techniques. Um, in, the, in the second place where I was working on interactive software, it's very much about usability, accessibility, all those kind of things that, you know, we now protect the biggest companies in the world and they're very, very important things for them. So they care quite a lot about those kind of topics. So it's been good to have a background in that space. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, so, uh, you know, one of the things that Arcos does mainly is, uh, I understand credential stuffing attacks. Uh, now for those of us that might not know exactly what that is and that, how that compares to different types of cyber attacks. I mean, uh, one of the ones we think of immediately is ransomware, um, especially in larger corporations. Uh, but apparently credential stuffing is, uh, is, on, is on the rise. So yeah, it'd be great to get an idea of, of what that actually consists of and what sort of businesses are the main target of these kinds of attacks. Sure. So Credential stuffing is a form of what's called account takeover. So the objective for the criminal is to get into the consumer's account. So if you're a fintech or an FI, they're trying to get into your customer's accounts to extract funds out. Um, the technique works in any industry. It's not just limited to FI. You could use it in, say, the airline industry to attack uh, the login for um, loyalty programs buy tickets and then resell them with lots okay. of points. So you, can, you can really use it on any kind of um, place. 
there's a couple of ways of doing account takeover. Credential stuffing is one of one of several. Phishing is another where they try and convince you to click a link, type your password in, things like that. Yep. But credential stuffing specifically takes advantage of two things. One is people reuse passwords because they don't have very good memories. That's just the reality of humans. So they're using the same password on multiple sites. If we had really yeah. good memory, we'd be able to change our password everywhere. It wouldn't matter, but we don't. So that doesn't really work very well. Yeah. The other weakness that it takes advantage of is people are really bad at paying, uh, following rules and following, you know, good advice. Like don't reuse the same password. Like no matter how many times we tell people not to use the same password, they do it all the time. And that's the same in this industry. Like people in this industry know not to do it and they still do it because it's just hard not to yeah. do that. I'm definitely guilty of that myself. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? <laughs> everyone is guilty. Don't feel bad. I mean, you should feel bad, but you know, <laughs> everyone still does it. Um, but effectively what they do is they take uh, breached usernames and passwords that have been leaked. Any site or service you use at some point, something's been leaked that's likely used the password you're using today. Somebody okay. has used the password you're using today somewhere and it's been leaked. That's just the reality. There's 11 billion email and password combinations wow. that have been leaked over time, like 11 billion, more than like 4X, like the amount of people that use the internet, right? So yeah. even your unique passwords have been leaked. And what they do is they use automations, these bots and scripts, and they point it at a login page and they just test these passwords over and over again until they find a valid combination. Yeah. And when they find that valid combination, they're in your account, right? So they're just doing this. And it's a very um, accessible technique for attackers to use. Very easy. You can go on YouTube and learn how to do it. There's products that will actually do the testing for you. The common oh. tools, OpenBullet, Century MBA, uh, these kind of products that free to download, you'll load in a list of usernames and passwords and it will automatically go and test them for you. So it's very accessible. And you can make a lot of money from it. That's why it's rising so quickly. It's just because okay. you can use it basically against any website. Um, it's very easy to get a list of usernames and passwords, and it's very easy to get software to do it. So the barrier to entry is very low, okay. and the return on investment is really high. So that's just the perfect storm for um, cyber criminals to go and make a bunch of money. So that's why we see it everywhere. Hey, you. Are you ready to grow your career? Are you an ambitious fintech professional ready to be part of one of the fastest growing fintech startups in the UK? Then look no further. Our client is looking for a product manager to oversee open banking products and join their Amsterdam office. If that sounds like you, get in touch with PCN's recruitment consultant, Emo Norman. Email in the description. Yeah, um, I, I guess the, the, the number one issue with, with this is uh, identifying uh, you know, the, the difference in between one of these bots that just putting in usernames and part, random usernames and passwords until it works um, to uh, be able to block these people without, you know, shutting off someone like myself, for example, that will every 10 minutes forget, oh, crap, well, which account, which yep. username did I use for this account? Um, I'm going to put in three times that, you know, the six different combinations of passwords that I have. How can a software recognize someone that does that versus an AI? <clears throat> it's a good question. So really good attackers will make their requests look pretty much the same as a human entering it in a browser. Yeah. So they will run things like JavaScript. They'll, they'll run headless browsers. So it looks like it's coming from a browser. It can run, you know, execute JavaScript. Uh, they will change their IP address using proxies, which you can okay. 
So, so the proxy part is really interesting because you can now access uh, botnets that are actually running on real people's devices. And it looks like the traffic is coming from like their cell phone. Uh, they use malware to kind of basically backdoor device. So the actual IP address looks perfectly normal as well. And they just check usernames and passwords over and over again. They change what they look like each time they come back. They're not, they don't look like the same IP or the same yeah. device every time they test a credential. And that actually does make it quite difficult. You can see an elevation in traffic on like your login logs or whatever you're looking at because they're testing like hundreds of thousands of combinations. Yeah. But if you look at the individual requests, they will look virtually indistinguishable from what a good user request looks like. So that's kind of the tricky point is if they, if they are good at it, actually it becomes a bit more difficult. And if you try to block them, you may also inadvertently block good users because yeah. the actual traffic looks very similar. So uh, there's a number of strategies you can take on this. Arcos, what we do is we challenge traffic. We don't block it. So if we see elevation, we see kind of unusual traffic you know, anomalies, uh, we'll challenge it with something. In the context of cred stuffing, they use bots and scripts because they're testing hundreds of thousands. Like if you manually had to write in hundreds of thousands of combinations yeah. by hand, it wouldn't be profitable. They wouldn't make enough money from that because the time it takes to test enough combinations just wouldn't make sense. So our goal is to make the cost of using automation too expensive. So that each incremental test they're trying to do on the um, password side, we want to make that more and more expensive. We want to make it like they have to spend more money on proxies, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we challenge that traffic uh, to the point where like, if we get it wrong, good users can still get through a challenge. But the cost of software having to get through every challenge on every request is just far too high. So we okay. have targeted the uh, the economic piece because again, you know, humans by hand could theoretically test combinations. Just the cost doesn't make sense. It's all about economics. Yeah, that's what that's what I I got from your website. Um, obviously, the the main selling point is undermining the economic drivers behind the attacks, yep. um, and that's specifically for for this type of attack, correct? Works on every kind of attack. If you can make an attack more expensive to execute it than the return on investment you get from doing it, guess what? They don't do it. They go somewhere else. They, I don't know, they get another job, um, <laughs> but they're not going to keep doing it. Like they theoretically could still do it. Yeah, It's not impossible to do. They're just not going to make any money from it, which turns out is the driver of pretty much every form of attack on the internet today. Absolutely. No, that that's uh, that, that's a really interesting way of looking uh, looking at it. I think um, you know, obviously, it's 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 not um, yeah. The way often people think of uh, cybersecurity and and fraud prevention is, oh, we're going to catch the bad guys. We're going to stop them from ever being able to do that. But it never happens that way. And actually, yeah. turning their attention to something else can actually be the, the right reality answer. is. If they're good at what they do, you will never catch them. The best you can do is discourage them. That's all you really have at your disposal. Unfortunately, that's the reality in the security and fraud space. You know, unless they're doing something truly horrific, like they're doing something where somebody may die from their yeah. actions, and then you get like the FBI involved. But you know, for common, you know, day -day. use and fraud, yeah. it's like it's just, and they're in different countries. You know, they're in, in locations where the social economic factors are such that they make more money from doing ATO attacks than they do from working at a job. 
no, that's not going to be the U.S. for most scenarios. But like, yeah, it's just the chance of catching people out of the country. It's incredible. If they're good at what they do, you're never going to know where they are for starters. Yeah. And second, there, even if you know where they are, like, are you going to get the local police to go and pick them up? Like, good luck. One of our clients, a major European fintech, is looking for a senior fraud product manager based in Berlin or Stockholm. If you have a strong background in product management and banking, payments, fintech, or e-commerce environments, and are interested in growing your career in fraud strategy, get in touch with PCM recruitment consultant Gilles to discuss your fit. That is Gilles, G-I-L-L-E-S, at teampcn.com. Yeah, absolutely. One of the interesting things as well is, um, is on the side of, uh, you know, as a consumer, uh, if, for example, my bank gets hacked or PayPal gets hacked, um, yeah. it doesn't really matter to me because I'm going to get the, their, insur- their, their insurance is going to pay me back for there's, anything. There's that the I FDIC use. and all that sort of exactly. stuff. That's right. Yeah, you're, um, you're not really out if you report it properly. Exactly. But who protects the businesses uh, behind that? Uh, either the insurance company or PayPal themselves, if they end up having to, to, to pay we, back, how, how does that work? That's on us. That's on us. We, we actually work with PayPal. So yeah, that's that's on us and PayPal to help protect themselves from these threats. Obviously, you know they're so confident they can do their job well, that that's why they ensure their customers' accounts. And if a breach does occur, they'll take it to, to make it happen. But yeah, I mean, obviously these businesses have insurance. If it's a big enough problem, like if it's a loss of hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, you'd probably may consider getting insurance, but sometimes it's also just a cost of doing business online. You know that you're going to lose some money just by nature yeah. of having a threshold of what are we willing to tolerate versus what impact is this going to have on our growth if we have too many security checks. There's some number where the loss in fraud is acceptable because it keeps the growth rates high enough. And that's true for all businesses. You could stop all fraud by just stopping people using your product. But yep. surprisingly, <laughs> no one's opting for that choice. But it's the same. It's, it's, it's the same. It's true. It's like, you know, if by having a business online, you just have to realize you're going to get attacked and you're potentially going to have losses. Yep. You can't have a business online and just assume you'll never get losses to fraud. And Absolutely. I mean, it's the same in the physical businesses as well. So it, it, no, it, right. it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. I understand that you guys at Arcos also offer a warranty to your customers. Um, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we protect multiple use cases like creating accounts and uh, login. So stopping bad actors from compromising accounts. But like I mentioned earlier, one of the sub threats of account takeover is credential stuffing. And the nice thing about credential stuffing is it's very measurable. You can see when it's happening because the ratio of successful logins to the number of attempts to log in changes dramatically. So you know when credential stuffing is occurring. It's also uh, very clear to measure the losses associated with it. And that makes it actually a very good candidate for insurance because they want to have a very clear trigger. And yeah. they want to have a very clear loss. And if you can do those two things, then you can you know, put in place insurance. And on our product, if you use our technology on a login experience and we see the traffic and we can protect it, if the attacks breach our product SLAs, we're also the only company in this industry with an SLA on stopping attacks. Everyone else's best efforts. You buy any other vendor in this space, you basically hope that it does this job well. There's nothing contractually bound, binding them to yeah. actually stop the threats. That's different Arcos. So not only are we SLA to stop it, but if the SLA is breached, we now have this warranty we put on our product. So we'll cover up to $1 million in losses on your behalf. And that's backed by a tier, you know, tier A uh, insurance carrier. 
So it's, uh, you know, we're standing behind our customers. If our product doesn't work, you know, we'll put our money where our mouth is. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Uh, you're the only guys in there. The only yeah. company first and only in existence in this space that has a warranty on their product. Also the only one with an SLA on their product. Like that's, that's how dire it is in the security industry. Like there's not a lot of people that are really committing that their product will work. Yeah. Um, so we're very proud to kind of lead that way. And, you know, we're hoping that it forces the industry to change. And we see more and more companies that really have to put their money where their mouth is. And if they yeah. offer a product, they also offer an equivalent guarantee that the thing will work. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the case in any, in, in most businesses, I'd say, apart from politics. So uh, it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah. But if you buy a TV and the TV doesn't turn on, what do you expect? You would return it. You can't do that in the security space. You buy the security tool and the attackers get through it. That's acceptable apparently today, which to me is just crazy. Yeah, I... I, I... <laughs> definitely would agree if, if I was trying to protect if I was buying a fence and someone got through it I would probably have a problem with the person yeah, it's that fence. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no that, that that makes a lot of sense one of the things I, I'm interesting to I'm interested to hear about as well is the um, evolution of attacks since uh, COVID um, because obviously people have been spending a lot of time at home with not much to do and sometimes with the massive loss of revenue. Um, and from what you're saying earlier about it generally being an economic driver, pushing people towards these things, I imagine that's had an impact. Here at PCN, we understand how hard it is for recent grads to get entry-level position. And that is why we are committed to doing better. We've developed a unique graduate sales program open to recent grads and those looking for a career change. People-oriented, a natural empath, Ready to learn? Check, check, check. And you're the perfect fit for the, our graduate sales program. Email careers at teampcm.com or reach out through our social platforms. We're ready to welcome you to our team. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So COVID has two extreme things recurring, which makes fraud more likely. One is, as you say, more people are out of jobs and that drives them looking at alternative career choices. It turns out being a criminal is one of those alternative career choices. The other thing that occurred is a lot more people using the internet today than ever in the history, in history period, really, because, yeah. you know, people that had never bought food online or groceries or did their banking now exclusively do it online because they didn't really have a choice. They couldn't go to the stores you know, everything was shut. Um, cash has kind of expired, like people using cards and, and touchless methods of payment more than ever because mm -hmm. you know, COVID obviously. So it's, it's been really interesting, but what that particular thing has done is it means there's a lot more people on the internet that have never used the internet before. And they're very vulnerable because they don't fully understand the security implications of using these kind of services online and criminals are taking advantage of that. They've got brand new schemes and scams that are targeting net new people to the internet the other thing is uh, people as a whole have become more desperate because they don't have jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And governments are putting in plans where they'll, you know, pay out like $900 or something every other month just to kind of keep, you know, the economy going, yeah. right? 
And criminals are taking advantage of the fact that people are sitting around waiting for the government to send the money and they're sending out emails saying, click here, fill out your details, we'll send you your money that you're owed. And really it's just all scams. Like there's so many scams that have popped up on the back of COVID targeting these new people um, that are desperate, right? So they're going to click and they're going to do things that otherwise you would stop and pause before you do it. Because like, if you just got an email saying the government's going to send you money in like normal time, you're like, yeah. that's not normal. Like, but yeah, nowadays people are- It's like, actually yeah, happening. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's quite insane. Um, there is um, a lot of schemes and scams. And there's even things like ransomware schemes that are targeting, that were targeting, I remember discussing this a year ago before Pfizer and stuff released their vaccines, but they were specifically targeting the COVID research labs to wow. try and- so basically the theory is if you can do something that's, if you can put ransomware software on something that has to continue with urgency, they're more likely to pay it sooner. So if they target things like research labs that are you know, solving a global pandemic, more likely people are to pay. Like that's how horrible some of this stuff is. I could, yeah, it's, it, it is insane. I mean, I, I think we've seen a lot of, you know, really nice things come out of, uh, come out of COVID into, in terms at least of human behavior, but it also says some really dark stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it's important to see the, the impact that that has on, on use of the internet, because I mean, nowadays we, we live our lives practically off our computers, even more than before, if possible. Um, and I agree with you in the sense that as a day-to-day user, you have absolutely no idea. Um, and in fact, because it's small sums of money, you're, you're protected mainly, as I said, by insurance. You think, well, yep. so what? Um, you know, oh, if someone gets my information, yeah. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't be on the consumer. Like it's on the businesses that offer these services to protect their users. Like it's not, and, and well, there is some duty of care, like don't use the same goddamn passwords and everything, which everyone does anyway. But that's something in your control that you shouldn't do. Use a password manager if you can't remember multiple passwords at the very least. Um, but also enable things like multi-factor. Like there, there is actually a bunch of controls that our user opted into because yeah. you know the friction of doing it is enough that people won't do it by default. So there is a chance you'll lose money, and there is a chance you get locked out of your account. But uh, yeah, I think you know there's insurance and these kind of things that will do their best to kind of cover you. But uh, yeah, you can protect yourself better online. There is a number of ways of doing that. Don't click unusual links. Don't don't do things that sound too good to be true. All of these kind of things, right? No, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. As I said, it's something that I personally be really interested to to you know learn more about and understand. You know the real implications of what we do online. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but more broadly, and I'm coming to you more as a, a as a recruiter uh, in, in this question. It's um, as someone, you know, coming out of university or uh, entering, wanting to go into some side of the tech scene, um, what, what makes this area such an interesting space to be in right now? Um, and yeah, you know, why not specifically Arcos Labs? Are you looking for a new role in a fast-growing tech company in a high-paced, high-impact market? 
One of our clients, a leading payments processor in Europe, is looking for a data migration specialist. Handling more than 700,000 merchant outlets, 260,000 enterprises, and 250 banks across Europe, we are looking for someone with experience with large migrations. Experience with Wayfor is a huge plus. If this sounds like you, get in touch with PCM Recruitment Consultant Jacqueline. Email Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E, at teampcm.com. Yeah, I mean, security is um, recession proof, I would say, the security business, because no matter what, fraud is going to occur. And as businesses grow online, the need to protect them is only growing as well. Like it's literally linked to the internet economy, right? So as the value of the internet goes up, so too does the profit incentive for crime online. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, this is the one thing that every company that does business online needs, like every company, uh, even more so than things like payments. Like we work with like social media companies yeah, and you, you know, misinformation and all kinds of stuff that all falls into the same remit. Um, so it's, it's just, this, and it's deeply fascinating. Like to me, the one interesting thing that I like most about being in this space is the, the genius nature of the uh, criminals and how they come up with the different schemes and scams. It's just endlessly fascinating. There's so many different ways they make money and they figure it out. So if you want to do something that's very fluid, I would say attacks evolve daily. So no matter what you build, they're going to figure out a way around it if there's money to be made. So that's always the big thing. And, And there's always money to be made. It's just a question of like, can I make more money here by attacking this company versus this company? And the great thing about being a solution provider is we get to work with so many companies. We get to see all kinds of attacks. Um, and that's really one of kind of the fun things I think that uh, our team enjoy most is just, uh, you know, protecting so many high target surfaces from these threats. Yeah. One of the things I read about you guys is uh, the theory of gamifying cyber attacks, uh, which I thought was quite an interesting way of looking at it, uh, looking at it as a sort of, tennis match in between uh, right. the fraudsters yeah, I mean, and... Yeah, we, we don't hold any malice towards the criminals we go up against. Like, it, it's just, I understand that, you know, they're doing it because it's a job and all this sort of stuff. You know, that there are some things that cyber criminals do that is truly horrible. So yeah. we have seen, you know, things that could lead to loss of life. Like, that sort of stuff is inexcusable. The majority of it is just to make money, though. And yeah. like the... Like I say, like majority, I mean like 99% is they're there to make money. It's not necessarily malicious. Um, you know, we have a bug bounty program. We actively solicit the attackers to work with us. We're happy to work with them to improve okay. our product, to protect our customers. You know, we're very open-minded about all of that. But uh, certainly keeps us busy, I would say, that they're, uh, you know, knocking on the door trying to get in all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, it must be uh, it's a, it must be a lot of fun to to deal with, and um, sort of moving forth. Obviously, you know, you're pioneers in a lot of things. Whether it's giving customers a guarantee, um, whether it's uh, you know having an SLA, um, but but what's next for Argos Labs? Obviously, we mentioned you were launching some new features, but it'd be interesting to to know you know in what direction you're thinking of taking the company moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to, we have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of things we want to do. So we, we work very closely with our customers. Um, 
we we have kind of the best customers in the world. It's 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 really unfair to our competitors. I would say we have much better customers than you know, like any anyone listening to this, everyone listening to this uses something we protect. Period. Like that's just the breadth of you know. We're protecting you know, the largest e-commerce platforms, the largest tech companies, the largest social media companies. Like we're on um, a very large number of touch surfaces, and you know we we partner with our customers around what are the kind of problems that we can help them solve. You know what are the things they want to do in house? What are the things that they would preferably have a third party solution do? And also, what are the kind of things that a third party could do better because they can look across the industry from a data standpoint and not just just look in isolation as that one attack surface. So there's, okay. a, there's a number of great ideas. Um, fundamentally, everything is to the objective of incrementally making it more expensive or less profitable to attack our customers. Yep. One of the things we just announced here is, so with our product, you use us on like a login or a signup experience, and we give you a risk signal as to we think it's good or bad, and we can challenge bad traffic. So we think you're malicious, we're going to make it more expensive by challenging it. We are now additionally, uh, which is quite, well, we're the only company in our industry, again, more first for us, um, sharing all the underlying classification data, not just the risk score, but literally everything that went into it, all the raw attributes, all the raw fingerprint details, all the raw data, uh, behavior um, data points. And the reason why that's unique is because typically, most of these fraud solutions are black boxes and they don't want to yep. share the underlying secrets because you can basically reverse engineer how to build their product if you had those attributes. Of course. For us, we want the merchant or whoever we're working with to stop the bad actor from monetizing their threat. So if on a login page, we say you're a good user and we're wrong, we still want the merchant to stop that at some point in the journey before it makes money. So if they get into an account but they get all our attributes. The merchant has all our attributes. They could later in the flow say, you know, even though Arco said this was, you know, a good user, yeah. these attributes actually are a little bit funny and we're going to reject them from extracting funds or whatever it might be. So we want to make sure that our customers have all the tools necessary, even if it's not us that saved the day. If the data can contribute to that, then that goes to the ultimate objective of making these attacks not viable. So we're really doubling down on that, which is something very unique in our space. Because again, that's really all companies have is the data they share. We do so much more than that, which is why we're more than comfortable to give away that information. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> it's it it sounds like a like 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 a huge undertaking, and I think you know it, in terms of if you're a fraud, <laughs> it's 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 yeah, really amazing uh, to see mm -hmm. the the amount of work that goes into actually stopping these. Um, oh yeah, the, these attacks. Uh, obviously, you know, we work with fraud and risk teams quite quite often, but understanding the tools that they need to actually, um, yeah, do their job, uh, it's it, it's just mind blowing, and it's changing every day. Um, so that's uh, yeah, I, I guess there's a lot more coming on, on, on your end. Of the... We're going to be busy for a. We have a product roadmap for years and years to come. The question is, what's the thing that people will leverage and get the most uh, return on investment for using? That's the prioritization list. Like, let's how do we make the biggest bang as soon as possible on all these features? But uh, yeah, we have years of ideas of what we want to build at Arcos. 
I can imagine. And for people that want to, to follow this uh, a bit more closely, um, where can, you know, where can they follow you if they want to, to get more information and uh, yeah, yeah, you can, uh, we're very, we're very active on LinkedIn and Twitter and those kind of things, but ourcoastlabs.com come visit us, come check us out. We, uh, we do a lot of events as well. We have a, um, a summit we're co-hosting, I suppose, a summit with, um, with several folks. It's called the bankrupting fraud summit. It's a virtual event this year. And it has speakers from like Facebook, Chime, PayPal, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Square Enix, like all these amazing companies that are coming together to talk about what are we across the industry doing to make crime not financially worthwhile. And that's the whole theme of the event. There's, I think, 56 speakers over two days of content. Um, that might be worth checking out if you're interested in learning more. That's November 9th and November 10th. Um, you can, you know, go to bankruptingfraud.com to, uh, to see that. So there's, there's all kinds of ways to kind of learn more about this whole space. It's a, it's a very fluid environment, I would say. Absolutely. Well, I will definitely be looking into that and I hope some of our listeners will be, uh, will be as interested as, uh, as I am, but yeah, that's, uh, that was great. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Um, it sure. was great talking to you. And I, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see what uh, what comes next for Arcos. Thanks. I'll be following yeah. closely. Yeah, thanks for having us on. That's it from us. Hope you enjoyed today's chat with Kevin and look forward to next week's episode because we will be featuring more leaders in the fintech world. Thanks for checking in with fintech. If you haven't subscribed or liked our podcast, you can do so through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean at InCheck with Fintech. Tune in next week for more. Thanks for listening. We'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner Free a Girl, who are dedicated to defunding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Evelyn. CEO and founder of Free Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away, together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freegirl.com for more information. Thank you.